Well, today I want to talk about faith, and I got a lot of back feed, feedback here. Um, if you could work on that, I don't know what that is, but uh, faith. Faith brings the walls down, and I was taken back uh, to, uh, to the book of Joshua when the walls of Jericho came down. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible, of the Old Testament, certainly. I love the historical books of the Bible that tell the true stories of the patriarchs and true stories of the Israelites and the prophets and the kings, and love to see that. One of the things you see in the Chronicles, which is always exciting, you see the Chronicles of the Kings. And you look at them, and God gives the good, the bad, the ugly. He doesn't try to hide the bad. He doesn't try to bury it under or make excuses for it. But he will tell different times about this king and that king and how this king was a good king, did what was right in the eyes of God. And he tells about, but later in their life, they did this, did this, and they didn't finish well. Well, I, I'd like to finish well. Amen? And, and that's my desire, that's my, uh, that's my goal. And so I love that because God doesn't, you know, say the good, the bad, he, he, I mean, hide any of it, he tells the whole story. And that's what the Word of God is, it's truth. And so when you see a historical book of the Bible, you know that these things actually happen, that these people that are listed in that book of the Bible actually lived and they did what the Word of God says they did, the historical, it's, it's, it's history, it, it happened. And so today as we talk about Joshua, he's an incredible uh, man of God. And in the book of Joshua is a book of, of victory. It's like the Old Testament book of Acts, where the acts of the Holy Spirit are in operation. God is using Joshua uh, and Caleb, and he's using the Israelites to fulfill his purposes and bring to pass his will uh, for uh, that season of time and for the future. But there is a, something that is referred to as the Joshua generation. And the Joshua generation is, is the story of this book. And this is a generation unlike the parents of the Joshua generation, the children and those who were born uh, during the time of wandering through the wilderness. You know, God always intended, once he delivered his people out of Egypt, the slaves that were uh, being oppressed under Pharaoh in Egypt... God had intended to bring them out of captivity by a strong and mighty hand, signs and wonders and miracles that took place, but he intended them to have a straight track right into the promised land or into Canaan's land. But there was that generation grumbled and griped and complained to where God finally said, I've had enough, you're not going to enter into the promised land, every one of you are going to die except Caleb and Joshua. And, and, uh, and your children will be going into the promised land, but you'll die in the wilderness. And so we want to make sure that we are faithful. What Faith brings the walls down. There was a whole generation of people that God intended for Jericho to be conquered by and subdue the land, and they were disqualified because of their attitude towards leadership and towards authority and towards God. It's like the parents were former slaves who were delivered out of Egypt by the mighty hand of God through signs and wonders and judgments fell on Pharaoh and all of Egypt by the power of God demonstrating to the Egyptians and to the Israelites, to the people of covenant, that God, the God of the Hebrews is the one and true God. And yet they, they still murmured and complained. It's almost like some people when they are brought out of, out of bondage into freedom that God has literally brought them out to bring them in to the promised land. And that's a sign of our salvation. God brings us out of sin to bring us into life to the full. But sometimes if you still think 
So as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you still think like a slave, okay, you're still a slave. Now, you're out of Egypt, okay? You're on a journey with God, but you're still thinking up here like a slave. And that's why we're told we need to renew our mind by the washing of the water of the Word. We need to think differently so that we can behave differently, so that we can believe differently, behave differently, speak differently. God wants us to be free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, the apostle said. And so these uh, first generation of parents uh, of these uh, Joshua generation didn't believe. They complained. They murmured. You know, if, if there wasn't one time God was saying, hey, I'm going to kill these people and raise up a new generation for you, Moses, out of your seed. And Moses would intercede and tell God, no, God, don't do that because if you do that, then everybody, your reputation, you know, the people in the other lands will say you couldn't do what you said you would do. And so God would relent, but he would still punish them. And the next time Moses is saying, God, just kill them all. <laughs> just kill them all. And God would say, no, Moses, I can't do that. So God, you know, they, they kind of uh, had interaction behind the scenes, Moses and God. And between the two of them, Israel survived without being killed, wiped out. But here's Joshua, the successor of Moses. And Joshua is, is, is by Moses' side. Uh, he is loyal to Moses. He is faithful to him. He serves him. Uh, he is a man of God. And uh, he is chosen by God. Uh, and, uh, and ordained by Moses to be the successor to Moses. He will walk in the power of God, do the will of God, and lead this generation into the promised land, bringing to pass the promises made by God to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I love that because whatever God says is going to happen. Uh, there was a miracle of the crossing of the Jordan River while it was still at flood stage, we see that in the book of Joshua, by the power of God piling up the waters until every last Israelite and all of their cattle had crossed over into the promised land on dry ground. The captain of the Lord's host visits Joshua to give the battle plans for Jericho. The captain of the Lord's host is a pre-Bethlehem appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ in angelic form. And he visits Joshua, gives him the battle plans. And the battle plans are not what we'd consider from our point of view and our human logic, very good strategy for winning a war. In fact, it's ridiculous. But God chooses the things that are foolish to confound the wise of this world. He chooses the weak things to invest his power and to bring to pass his purposes so that those who are strong will shake their heads and wonder, how did that happen? How did God use them to do that? Those methods that were used are ridiculous. How could that happen? But when God blesses something, it is blessed. Somebody say amen. So all the males, this is something else that happened. All the males of Israel uh, is to bring into alignment a recommitment to the covenant of God. You know what that means. It means they were circumcised, every single one of them, which made them, listen to this, this is illogical. From a strategy of war point of view, they were all incapacitated because of the circumcision that was done to them. In other words, what did they have to do to do that? They had to trust God for protection, for supernatural protection, because we're not going to be able to fight until we heal up. And that was an act of faith. Sometimes you've got to put it, listen, all on the line. All on the line. It's like uh, Donna and I like to watch Jeopardy. And, uh, 
you know, there's some of them, you know, there's champion Holtzauer had this. He says, all in. Are you all in? Okay? Are you all in? Are you sold out to God and his purposes? Are you giving all that you got? And that's what God was asking Israel to do, is to trust me. And, and uh, so there's some leadership characteristics that Joshua had that are very admirable. It's no wonder God chose him to be a successor to Moses because Joshua was a loyal follower of God but also of Moses. Joshua was a humble servant that he did the grunt work, that he served Moses. He was second in charge. He was in charge of the military. Him, but he served Moses humbly did what he was asked to do, even though he may not have understood it or would think maybe I would do it a different way, but he was loyal and humble uh, to, his, uh, to, to Moses, the leader. And Joshua also trusted in the Lord. These are leadership qualities that are still required if you want the blessing of God on your life and your family and your ministry. And he trusted the Lord. And trust means you stick your neck out sometimes. So you got to take a risk sometimes. You got to trust the Lord with your finances. You got to pay your tithe because God, not because it's law, but because it's, it's born out of grace and God wants to bless you. So you trust God with 10% that God will bless the 90%. Joshua was obedient. He did what he was asked to do. He did what God required. He obeyed. And Joshua was courageous. Courageous. We need courageous leaders in the body of Christ and in churches. Would you agree with that? Amen. Amen. So this Joshua generation was being led by the successor of Moses. And I'll tell you, I don't know if I'd want to be in Joshua's position of uh, filling the sandals of the great deliverer and the lawgiver Moses. That's a tall order, isn't it? But he he certainly did that. And I've got three points that I'm going to bring to you. It's not going to be too painful for you. I'll try to be kind. But the first one is if you want victory, you got to have faith. Yes. Right? Yes. you got to have faith. What's it say? Victory requires faith. It's a prerequisite to victory is you got to have faith. And what is faith? You know, what is it? What does it say? Joshua 6, 1 and 2 says, now the gates of Jericho. And here we are crossed over. I'll give you the brief history of what took place. The gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid. Say afraid. Listen, the enemies of God, the enemies of the people of God, the people of God who have faith, the enemies of them, the enemies of God, fear and tremble when you realize who you are in Christ and who your God is. Somebody say amen. I mean to tell you that maybe there's some tightly shut gates keeping you from the blessings of God, but God, when you put your full faith and trust in him, God will open those, the walls will come crashing down. But the people in Jericho were afraid. Nobody was allowed to go out or in, the gates were tightly shut. But the Lord said to Joshua, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, I've given it to you, I've given you its king and all of the strong warriors. Now God promised that before it happened. Now God is not a man that he can lie And there's some of us, and we go to prayer, and we're praying for something to come to pass that we know is the will of God. Listen, God has already given you what you've already asked before you even asked for it. It's there for you to appropriate by faith and to seize and take hold of. 
Jericho was the gateway city to Canaan that the Israelites came to when they entered the promised land. The city of Jericho was surrounded by walls that uh, no one was able to get in. I mean, these were strong, powerful walls. And the walls served as a solid protection against the attacks. The gates had been locked to keep the Israelites out. And how, you know, I say, how, how thick were the walls? Well, there was more than one wall. There was a wall, an outer wall, then an inner wall, and these were very, very powerful and strong. The walls were at least 13 feet or four meters in height, and they were backed up by a watchtower and a redoubt some 28 feet tall and were intended to protect the settlement and its water supply from human intruders. So they had a backup plan for their needs and necessities that they had to have for the city to survive under a long siege. And the walls of Jericho, what were they made of? They, 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 were, uh, they rise, uh, caused a greater urbanization in the surrounding area, including Jericho. And by the time there were two walls around the city and double enclosure made of mud brick, and the outside wall was rested on a top of a stone base, very, very thick. And uh, what should I tell you, never underestimate in, in light of this, as the Israelites were outside of these, of these impenetrable walls in the natural, uh, they had heard the command of their God spoken through their leader, through Joshua, that these are the plans. And, and all they had to do is obey God to get what God had promised them. And that's what we have to do today. Uh, no one in the army of Israel probably <laughs> thought that at this point that there was any possible way that they could penetrate these walls, and yet they believe God anyway. My question is for you is, is, do you believe God for the impossible? All things are possible to him who believes. That's what the Word of God says. And God is not a man that he can lie. God is the God who performs the impossible. God asked the prophet Jeremiah, is there anything too hard for me? He asked that question of Jeremiah the prophet, the great prophet Jeremiah. And really, Jeremiah thought, why are you asking me that? Because I already know the answer. It was a rhetorical question of something Jeremiah and anybody who knows God knows the answer to that. Is Lord, there is absolutely nothing that is impossible for you. Absolutely nothing. I'm telling you, I don't understand why everybody who believes for healing doesn't get healed, but I do know God heals. I've seen it. I've seen and read of creative miracles where eyes, where there's dry sockets, no eyeballs were performed, and I've seen and heard and testified, it's been documented, that literally God creates eyes in those dry sockets and gives sight to the blind. I, I've had several years ago, there was a story that was proven over and over again that is true. It was well-researched and looked into and documented. Is that a man who had no eyes in his socket, yet went around and without any eyeballs saw. He could see what you and I see. And yet he didn't have eyeballs. That is the God who does the impossible. Nothing is impossible for God. God showed up back in... 1977, I believe it was, at a little church in Liberty, Missouri, where uh, my wife had a nine-month-old, 12-month-old baby at that time, our oldest daughter. My wife had fourth-stage cancer and wasn't getting any better. It was getting worse because of the treatments. 
down to skin and bones, and God showed up on a Sunday night service, and the power of God came down, and she was healed just like that. Doctors didn't know what to do about that. Only three months into treatment, they said you, the oncologist said, you need at least 12 more months because you're very sick. And yet God overruled, listen, he overruled the doctor, and a miracle happened. Four more children were born, four more daughters, and all of my five daughters are in ministry. This is God, the God of the impossible. You hear what I'm saying? Nothing is impossible with God. Our second point here is that if you want victory, it requires obedience, that you have to obey God. And so many, of, so many people in the body of Christ, they want victory, they want success, but they don't want to obey God. And you can't have one without the other. Somebody say amen. That whole first generation of Israelites, and uh, most historians, theologians believe that there was like at least a million and a half Israelites who came out of Egypt, maybe more, but at least a million and a half. And not one of those slaves who came out of Egypt were allowed to go into the promised land because God finally said, you, you, you are grumbling, you gripe, you complain. You're, you're pining away for Egypt that you were delivered out of. You, you constantly rebel against my servants, Moses, who I put in charge over you. You, you can't obey. You're not loyal uh, to him. You're not doing what I tell you to do. And God finally said, I've had enough. Not one of you will go over into the promised land. You're not going to inherit the promise that I intended for you to have. In fact, for 40 years, they wandered in the, in the, in the wilderness, going around in circles, living in tents when God intended them for, to inherit houses and lands that they didn't have to build, right? Crops that they didn't have to plant, drink the wine from the vineyards that they didn't plant or make the wine. But the will of God was thwarted by the disobedience of God's people. But God had another plan. He said, okay, you're going to wander in the wilderness and all of you are going to die. But your children and your children's children are going to inherit the promise that I promised to you. God's will was still brought about, but it was 40-some years later that it happened. You know, God doesn't see time as anything he has to overcome because he is the Lord over time and space. He is the Lord of creation. And God brought them in. And, but the second generation, this Joshua generation, was obedient. What does it say in Joshua 6, 3 through 5? It says that you and your fighting men should march. This is God's plan. March around the town once a day for six days. And you say nothing. Just march around. And this is the progression. Uh, seven priests will walk ahead of you in the ark, uh, each carrying a ram's horn. And on the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing their horns. And when you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. These were Pentecostal Old Testament believers, let me tell you. They're not afraid of shouting. And he says, when you do that, if you're obedient... Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. Now, this is a strange battle plan. It is, it is strange and anybody who has been to military academies or been trained in the art of warfare, they would say this doesn't make any sense at all. They're marching around the city once a day for seven days in silence. Seven priests are walking ahead 
of the ark carrying the ram's horns, each one. And the, the army follows after them. On the seventh day, did you hear what it said? On the seventh day, marching around seven times while the priests are blowing the ram's horns during those seven times. And then the priests will all in unison give one long blast and then the people were to shout as loud as they could and the walls fall down. Now, I know that there's some who have trouble with the supernatural who claim to be believers and they trust God, but they say, you know, what really happened was somehow there must have been some kind of a, a crack in the wall uh, where it was a, a kind of a, a weak point and when they shouted the ram's horns and all that noise and then the ground shaking because of their walking around the, the seven times that it loosened it up and then the walls fell. But you know what? Literally, from the Hebrew, when the walls fell, it, it was like the walls fell down but they fell like into the ground, like, like they went down like an elevator. And, they, and they, they crossed over on top of the walls to conquer the city. And, and, and so in the natural, they did these things. They did, in the supernatural, something impossible happened, and, and God performed the miracle. So uh, what are the walls of Jericho in your life? And I asked that a little bit earlier for you to think about. What is standing between you and what God has for you? Okay? And I'm not talking about materialistic things. I'm talking about the things that you know in your spirit that God wants you to have. That, that he wants you to step out in faith and, and conquer souls for the kingdom of God. And, and so often at the time when we talk about sharing our faith and evangelizing, you know what one of the walls of Jericho is? Fear. Intimidation. Pride. They're gonna th I'm going to feel so foolish. Uh, you know what it is? Deception. Lies of deception. Is that now I used to think like this when I was younger, and I'd think about, I need to witness to that guy. And then I'd think, oh, uh, boy, that guy, he's really popular. And, and you know, he's got the the girls on his arms, and, and he wouldn't want to be a Christian. Right? They've got it all together, and, you know, they've got all the money they need, and, you know, they, you know I can't tell them anything because they wouldn't relate to me. Well, that is, that is a lie. It's a deception. I tell you, uh, <clears throat> when we lived in Liberty, Missouri, one of the times I got a call from one of my Bible college uh, teachers, uh, Joe, and he said, hey, Tim, um, and, and, you know, we'd graduated, uh, you know, some years before, but he said, hey, uh, we got a call. They're clear at the south side of the metropolitan area in Kansas. We're on the north side in a suburban area in, uh, of Kansas City, the greater metropolitan area. And he said, there is a lady who lives in Liberty, Missouri. And <clears throat> there was somebody from Full Faith who happened to be over there, uh, you know, and visiting somebody. And she was in one of the parks, the city park, <clears throat> and she ran across this lady sitting on a bench, watching her children play, and this lady was watching her children play, and they were playing together, and she got into a conversation with her, and, and this lady said, I want to become a Christian, and so she led her to Christ, and she said, could you go and visit her, uh, you and Donna, go visit her in her home, and, and I said, well, sure, we could do that, and, and try to encourage her to either go to your church, or, you know, if, you know try a church, you know, get involved in church, and I said, well, we'll do that. Donna and I went to visit her, <clears throat> and I got a little intimidated because we're driving in, 
uh, to this, uh, one of the newer housing additions in Liberty. Liberty is a very affluent community on the north side of metropolitan area. And grow into these houses that were just massive. Massive. Beautiful new home. Knocked on the door and came in and there was a grand piano and, you know, beautiful hardwood floors and beautiful woodwork. And it was a, an, an Asian lady. And turns out she was some, some kind of a specialist, a doctor, and her husband was a doctor, very high specialist, not a GP, but a specialist. And came into her home, her beautiful home, sat down in her beautiful living room, and I felt so intimidated. You ever feel that way? And I'm thinking, what can I tell her? But Don and I were faithful to, to talk to her about her, what her commitment to Christ is, uh, to invite her to our church, and, and, and to, if you don't want to come to ours, please go to, here's a list of other churches. We tried to do our best and prayed with her, and she was very, very receptive and very appreciative that we came by. But you know, sometimes God asks us to do something that is out of our comfort zone. Has he ever asked you to do something that you're just not comfortable with? We're a Pentecostal church. You can talk back to me. Have you ever been uncomfortable? Join the crowd. If you never stretch and grow outside of your comfort zone, you will never accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. You'll never have and experience the walls crash down so that you can go in and conquer what God wants you to have. God wants to use you to expand the borders of his kingdom. And it's never going to happen that you're going to be used unless you step out in faith and obedience to achieve the victory that God has already won for you. See, when the Israelites went into the promised land, they crossed the river Jordan to go into the land. God said, it's already yours. I've already given it to you. All you have to do is you have to go in and appropriate it by faith. Sometimes, listen folks, you got to fight for what is yours. And the promises of God are yes and amen. They belong to you. But you've got to appropriate them by faith. You've got to be obedient to what God requires for you to inherit that promise. And you've got to press in and take it by faith. And I'll tell you, the devil doesn't want you to have what God wants you to have. What God has appropriated to you, the devil wants to deceive you out of receiving it. He's a thief and a liar. I think one of my greatest regrets will be leaving here is that so few of you participated in the small group of the Invisible War. Angie, a great job teaching that. And we had classes at our house. And I'll tell you, it's incredible. There's a spiritual war going on. And God wants you to be a victor in that spiritual war and not a casualty. Am I right, Angie? Amen. Amen. Powerful. The walls will collapse. Amen. And they will fall right before you when you're obedient to him. God has no respecter of persons. What he's done for others, he will do for you. All of God's promises, I said, are yes and amen. Hebrews 1, 11, 1 says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. What do you hope for? It's, the it's also the evidence of things we cannot see. It's not there yet, but we see it in our heart. We know it's there. We have to press in and take it by faith and obedience. Hebrews 11, 1, it, if, it, uh, it was the, it was not 11, 1, but uh, it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days 
and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith, by faith. Ephesians 3.20, you know this from our series on great expectations, but now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Wants to do more. Uh, Pam Palmer writes and lists seven things of uh, lessons that we can learn from the fall of the walls of Jericho. Number one is this. Now listen up. It's not on the overhead. Follow God. Even if the journey seems impossible or unexpected. So one thing I've learned about following God into territory that I've not been before is that there's full of surprises and challenges. Uh, you know, you, you're, you know when you, I have a sister-in-law. When she goes on vacation, and we've done a few vacations with her, and we're just not like that. We're not compatible. But she is, and maybe you're like this, or you know somebody, is when you go on vacation, we're going to go here, and we're going to do this at this time, and this at this time, this at this time, this time, first day. Second day, we're going here. We're doing this, 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 this. Third day, going here, 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 and got it all lined out. It's on a calendar. It's on a, it's on a list. She's a list maker. And Donna and I, when we go on vacation, we just kind of play it by ear. You know, there's things we want to do that we put down there, but we want to leave lots of time open to do things that we just see on the way, on the journey, and think, let's go over there and do that. And go into an area, let's, let's go to that museum. It's not on our list because we didn't make a list, but we have time to go there. Uh, when you follow God and you're on a journey with God, it's full of surprises and challenges. And many times it's full of times of testing is that things are going to happen that you didn't expect and quite frankly, you're not happy about. I don't like that. I don't see why God let that happen. I don't understand why God did this and why he didn't do this. Have you ever done that? It's okay to admit it. I think we're all guilty of that because we're human. But going on a journey with God full of surprises and unexpected turns sometimes full of disappointments. But even in those disappointments, how we respond to those disappointments is going to determine how far with God we're going to go. Trusting God through the challenges and the disappointments, that is something we all face. But when you follow God, even if the journey seems impossible or unexpected, you just keep doing it. Keep following them anyway. Number two, when we listen, anybody listen? When we listen, we can hear God speaking to us. Come on. We can hear, the, we can hear God speaking to us. Now, how do, what does that sound like? Does that mean God speaks words in English to us and it's like it's loud, we can hear it with our ear? No. Uh, you know, that can happen, but most of the time, what God does is, first of all, he speaks through his word, his, through the Bible, okay? Uh, sometimes he speaks through, and the way God speaks to me is sometimes I see, don't think I'm crazy, and I'm not on LSD, some trip, but I see pictures in my mind. They're like panoramic pictures, and through that picture, it's like a revelation comes of what that picture means, okay? It's just like, you know, when 
when back in, uh, actually even in October, but especially in January when it was certain we were leaving here and I got this much time, hourglass, big on, big on the screen. And, and the Lord said, number your days. Be wise, number your days. You know, get accomplished what I want you to do in that time. See? So that picture comes up. How does God speak to you? Sometimes it's through promptings. There's been times like when I was a rededicated Christian, my first week of return to serve Christ on a Sunday night, and then Friday night, I wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit all week long, kept, you know, didn't know what it was, and, and I kept asking God, next time I go to church, God, didn't I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, it was Friday night instead of Sunday, and we had a Bible study in the basement. By the way, I saw Donna the first time there, looked across the room, and this big room with tables all around the basement in the fellowship area. And, and fell in love with her, love at first sight. That's the honest truth. Uh, and, and, but towards the end of that Bible study, this pressure, heaviness. I'm sitting in that chair and I'm looking around and it's just uncomfortable. It's just kind of, I got to get up and get out of here. I got to get up and, you know, I kept feeling that. Have you ever felt that way before? And I, and I got up. I turned around, ran up the long flight of stairs to the top of the steps, immediately turned right, and every step that I took, the weight got a little less, a little less, a little less, which meant I'm going in the direction God wants me to go. Turned the corner into a room that we had the prayer room in there, and, and heavy, thick shag carpet, and I ran over to the floor, dropped to my knees, metal chair, and began to ask God for the baptism, and all of a sudden, the power of God came. That was God speaking to me, by putting pressure on me, uncomfortable, confusing. Get up and go upstairs. Get on your knees. But he didn't tell me that in words. It was a prompting. And the, every step that I took, that weight lifted, lifted, lifted until I went into the prayer room and got on my knees. There's so many different ways. A prompting. Just simply, oh, I think I'm supposed to go over and pray for somebody. I'm supposed to call them on the phone. I'm supposed to encourage somebody. Does, does that all make sense? you gotta, you got to listen. And if you listen, you can hear God's voice. You know a good way to listen? Some people can't hear God's voice because they're too busy talking. Too busy telling God what he should do. God says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell you what to do. And then you get to choose with your free will that I gave you as a gift whether you're going to obey me. And if you obey me, the walls of your Jericho are going to come falling down. And you're going to press in and conquer. Does that make sense? And then thirdly, God is purposeful. He's not random. He knows what he's doing. Sometimes we think, well, this doesn't make sense. God doesn't need to make sense up here. We just have to obey. And number four, the outcome may not be instant. You're not going to get instant gratification. And that drives us crazy. So keep waiting on the Lord. Don't you know those Israelites wanted the walls of Jericho to fall as the first time they went around? It's like, call down now, let's just get this over with. We don't always get what we want when we want it. And we live in a culture today in America, it's full of entitled people who feel entitled to get what they want when they want it. And if I don't get what I want when I want it, somebody's going to pay. That's not the kingdom of God. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. 
And number five, we are not sufficient in and of ourselves. We need God. I'll tell you, folks, in the day and age which we live, we need God more than ever before. Would you agree with that? And then number six, obedience to God matters. It really matters. Obedience matters to God. And, And he doesn't force us to be obedient. One day, the Bible says, every knee will bow and confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day, God is going to force every knee to bow and every tongue to confess. No choice. You don't get to choose. You had your opportunity to do it, but now you're going to do it. And, and those who are forced to do it, he isn't Lord to them, but he is Lord. And they're going to pay the penalty for that. And number seven, this is the clincher. What God promises, he will fulfill. Absolutely will fulfill. What he has promised, he will do. Now, I didn't read that out of a book or the Bible. I did read it out of the Bible. And I know it from the Bible, that the word of God is truth. But I know it from experience. Is that God will bring to pass what he says he will do. You can bank on it. Amen? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back uh, for a few minutes uh, right now and uh, close in just a, a minute here. But uh, the account of the walls of Jericho coming down is a significant part of God's promise coming to pass that the Israelites would indeed enter into and would indeed possess the promised land, Canaan's land. This incredible passage in the book of Joshua holds many valuable lessons that we as Christians can learn from and apply to our lives. An understanding of God, an understanding of God. And maybe today, as I said earlier several times, you're waiting on God. Or maybe you're wondering if he'll come through for you. Maybe you're in a crisis right now. Maybe... Somebody watching online, our crowd is very small today, but um, are you waiting on God to come through for something? First of all, I'm going to tell you, God really does care about you, that God loves you, and he knows always what's best for us. But whatever your situation The fallen walls of Jericho in this story will remind us that God's power and faithfulness that he, that we can believe and put our hope in him, that he is there for us. He is there for you. He is there for your family. He is there for you. And the promises of God are there for you to appropriate by faith. Sometimes you need to intercede and pray those promises into existence. Sometimes you have to do warfare because the enemy wants to steal the answer to God's prayer. The enemy wants to discourage you and to give up. What good does it do to pray? I was so discouraged at one time that I told my wife she wanted to pray and I said, I don't want to pray. 
And I knew when I said that and I heard that, my mouth speak in my ears, I thought, you're going you're gonna to regret that. <laughs> you're going to regret that. And then I thought, well, I'll repent later. <laughs> see, when we're discouraged, see, we don't want to pray. And what I found out is when you're discouraged, you need to pray. You need to press in. And you need to do battle like you've never done before. You need to fight. Israelites needed to fight for the promised land. They had to go in. But God said this. He says, you know, it's yours. You have to go in and take it by force. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead of you. Now, what, what's God saying? What I see, I see a picture of artillery. It's gonna, I'm going to go ahead of you, and I'm going to soften up the enemy. See, God went ahead of them and softened up those walls. I'm going to go ahead of you. All you have to come in, you have to come in and just mop up. God has given you the victory. But you've got to have faith. You've got to be obedient. And you've got to believe that God is going to do what he said he'll do. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for the power, Lord, of the examples of history. Is it, Lord, I think of the scripture in Hebrews, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. What you've done for others, you'll do for us. And there's some folks here today, Lord, who are just seeing a wall right in front of them. And that wall is intimidating. And it's almost like it's mocking you. I'm seeing that right now. It's a word of knowledge. Manifestation of the Spirit. There's somebody here. That's what you see. You see a wall. And the word of the Lord to you is, appropriate by faith what I've already given to you. Believe in my promises. Press in believe my word so father right now in Jesus name Lord others who are going through issues whether they're here or online God just manifest a revelation to their heart and their mind that you are not just the God of yesterday but you're the God of today and you're the God of tomorrow and so father I pray that revelation will come to shatter the lies of the enemy Give strength to the weak, to the discouraged, Lord. Give them encouragement and courage. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.